to like to welcome each one this morning. <clears throat> Thank. I enjoy tidbits like that. That kind of brings out the story more real to us. In the scripture, in the uh, Sunday school quarterly, it talks about a veil, and sometimes when that veil gets lifted. Well, we can see things. It just comes alive more. So what did Jesus do when he came here into this earth? What was his works? And what was this greater works that we're supposed to do? And I would like to look at that a little bit. God sent his son into the world. And... There's a verse that Tara would have read, verse 14 of Luke 2. It says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And we think of that as, as Christ bringing peace into this world, but it really wasn't the case. It says, peace on earth, our highest Glory to the highest, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. But if I go to Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, um, Jesus says, Think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. So we think of, of, Thinking of the works of Christ and what he did for us, um, we think sometimes in our human nature versus how Jesus would have thought in his kingdom nature. Because we're of this world and he's not of this world. So when Jesus was coming doing the works, we relate it to the things of this world. And actually, um, Jesus was thinking in a different sense. I, lo- I want to go to John chapter 18 to kind of, and, and that's so familiar, you may not e- have to turn to it. You can just quote by memory. For my kingdom is not of this world. John eighteen thirty six. And Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Thinking again of, of Jesus coming and presenting the kingdom of heaven to us and I, I think so often we don't I don't think about that at Christmas time as the kingdom of heaven coming down to earth and then Jesus using his time with the disciples taught of what the kingdom of heaven is like and it's hard for us to relate so he had to speak to us in parables and speaking to us in Matthew chapter 4 verse 17 it's kind of the start of his ministry. He had heard that 
John was in prison and he knew what was going to happen with John. And then verse 17 of chapter 4 of Matthew, it says, For that time, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then if you go down to verse 23, it says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manners of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick, the people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with the devils, and those that were lunatics, and those that had the palsy, and, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of the people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. So Jesus had a great following because people desired the kingdom of God, or was it that they appreciated being healed? You know, if I had a, an opportunity to take someone in my family that was crippled to someone that would heal them, I, you know, I would probably do that. But that's not what Jesus came for. I want to go to Matthew 15. And I kind of, what was Jesus' ministry here? You know, we, we read, read the verse and we hear the verse of how he did not come for the, for the religious people, but he came for those that were hurting and those that were in need of him um, physically and spiritually. Matthew 15 I'll read verse 29 to 39. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into the mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes came about unto him, having with him those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, and the maimed to be whole, and the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitudes, because they continue with me now three days, and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting, lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, Whence? Should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? And Jesus said unto them, How many loaves have ye? And they, he said, and they said, Seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks, broke it, them, and gave to the disciples and the disciples to the multitudes. And they did all eat and were filled and they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And they that did eat were 4,000 men, 
besides women and children, and he sent them away. The multitude took ship and came to the coast of Magdala. <clears throat> so what was the ministry of Jesus that he told us that we continue this ministry? Multitudes were being met, even to the point where he was going to send them away. And Jesus, having compassion on them, says, feed them. And they said, well, I, we don't have food and we can't go get food. He says, oh, what do you have? And Jesus took that little bit and multiplied to meet the needs of you know, I would say 4,000, you double that. If they were married, have 8,000 and then children. So it could have been ten to 12,000 people that he fed in that. But what did he ask? He asked, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have to offer? Give what we have. And God can multiply. And I would like you to, to remember that as I go into sharing a little more. But Jesus, all he did was ask him, what do you have? And he said, well, we do have some bread and a little fish. Well, that's all Christ needs. And he may look at us, or we, he may look at us and say, well, what do you have? And he said, well, I don't have anything. I don't have any gifts. I don't like to speak. I, don't like, I can't sing. I can't. And we can have all kinds of reason. But Jesus, Jesus would say, what little do you have? They said, well, I do have a job and I make money. Well, then use it. Give it to me. And I will multiply that, not for your bank account, but for those around us. Now I want to look at John 14, verse 12. I've been talking about it. Jesus here was preparing them as they were coming. He was coming, realizing his end was close. And he was kind of preparing them that, hey, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go and I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. Verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. So you can say, well, was he talking here to just the disciples? No, he says that who's verily, verily, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall you do also, if you believe. So what was the works of Christ? What was he doing? What did the disciples witness in his life? And greater works than these. So what does he mean by that? Greater works, how could it be greater than what he has been just doing? Thinking of the, the, the healings and taking the bread and feeding 12,000 people, possibly. 
how could, how could we do greater things? And I don't think that's kind of what he was saying here. But the works that I do, you shall do. And he says, we will do it greater. And that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And in that, the gospel can go throughout all the world where Jesus couldn't do that as, a, as himself. Um, I was just, we were just brought to awareness here just, I think it was this past week. Um, everybody remembers Julia, who was uh, from Brazil, who was an uh, exchange student of Greg's. But she sent a photo, and she come across in the street uh, a, a pamphlet from a World Missionary Press, and she was pretty impressed. So how did that get out all the way to Brazil? It was through people. It was through us. Us who are doing greater work, are doing the works of Christ. So are we doing the works of Christ? Again, I'd like you to hang on to that a little bit. Are you performing miracles? Are you feeding 12,000 people? with what you have in your house? Are you using your gifts to reach people in your lives? When Jesus fed the 5,000, he gave them bread. And now remember, when I'm going down through here, the kingdom of heaven is what we're preaching. We're not preaching salvation through all these great things. And I think sometimes maybe that's why God doesn't allow us to go out and heal the sick because Jesus isn't, or God's not going to be glorified through it. It's going to be us. But yet we have that ability and we can do that in the physical sense. But I'm going to talk now about the spiritual sense, the kingdom of heaven. Because that's our ministry. It isn't the kingdom of this world. It isn't the things that are happening in this world. And we can learn from that. And we can see that. And talk about it. But it's the kingdom of heaven. That we're supposed to be. If we're doing the works of Christ. That we're supposed to be teaching. So when you meet people in the streets. And you people you work with. We talk about. The weather, or do we talk about the kingdom of heaven? Well, the kingdom of heaven is what we should be talking about, but sometimes you need to build to get there. So when Jesus fed the 5,000, he gave them bread, which only temporarily fixed their needs. But we have been given bread that we will never hunger again. We have been satisfied in our lives so in turn, when we see people in this world, we present the living bread. I'll give you the manna, the daily provisions that you need in, in your life, and it's only through Christ. When Jesus sat at Jacob's well and talked to the woman about having this water, that you'll never thirst again, living water. We have that. So we should be presenting the living water to the people that we surround ourselves with. 
people that have no hope, people that have no purpose in life, people that are hungry, thirsting, people that are desiring something better than this life here on earth, and to the point where people are taking their own lives because of the hopelessness of this world. Having this bread and water satisfies the soul to the point we don't hunger and thirst. So can I present that to my neighbor? That I'm satisfied with what I have. I have Christ and I trust him and I'm happy with that. Can we present that to our neighbors? Can our neighbors look at us and say, you know, this man, you can tell, is of the kingdom of heaven. It's what I want. It's what I desire. Jesus was in a boat, and when the storm came, the disciples were afraid. And I would be too. And Jesus stood and rebuked the winds and the waves, bringing the calm sea And we had storms in our lives where we felt like it was crashing in on us. We have given that to Christ, knowing that he can calm the storms in our lives. We can share that with other people that are going through the same storms in their life. You know, if you would just give your life to Christ, he can help you through that. I don't know how he does, but it's a miracle. And he can perform that in your life. He can take the hurts and the pains away from us. One day, Jesus healed a blind man. So he called so he could see the world around and see things how they were. Well, we also been have the same, you know, God has lifted this veil from us and presented as Christ and Christ in this lifting of the veil has shown us what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like but also what it's going to look like and we look forward to that and we're excited about it and that gives us hope and it gives us a reason to uh, desire it all the more well the world needs that veil lifted from their eyes they can't see it, and they'll never go anywhere to, um, to have it removed. But it's through us. It's through uh, the, the Christians sharing the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and how God can open their eyes and see the salvation. Jesus also had a crippled man come into his life, or I'd say a crippled man. Many that were crippled, came into his life. And this man stood up and leaped for joy. We've been the same way. We've been crippled in our lives, in our journey that we went through, where we were hurting. Is there joy in our lives? I mean, if I was physically healed of a, a cripple, I would be jumping too for joy. But we should, in the kingdom of heaven, we should be leaping far more joy in joy 
because this is eternal salvation. It's not just a, a lifetime healing of a few years. So we have many hurting people everywhere. People that are searching for, for, for fulfillment in life. They're hungry, they're thirsty. Wandering around blind, not knowing what is truth. Tossed to and fro with the winds of life, having no hope. Can there be a miracle in their life? I want to go to Mark 10 and read a verse, or Matthew 9, and read a verse. Matthew 9, verse 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him, and Jesus said on, saith unto him, Believeth, believe ye, believe ye that I am able to do this. And they said, Yea, Lord. Believe ye that I am able to do this. Do you really believe the people in your lives that God can change them? You see someone with red hair and tattoos all over their bodies and, and I, I said red hair. I mean colored hair. And Tattoos all over their bodies and uh, nose rings. And Do you really believe that God can change their life? You know, if I was doing the work of Christ, I would take an opportunity to share with that person, maybe a track, or maybe I would smile, or I would do something to acknowledge that I've noticed them. Jesus would have. Remember, he spent the time at the Samaritan, with the Samaritan woman. Um, he spent time with sinners. Do we really believe that God is performing miracles today? And I think we get so confused with the Spirit, I think. You know, we say, well, we're not seeing miracles I don't see miracles in my life because I, I just, you know, it, is the Holy Spirit really in my life? Is the Holy Spirit really working in me? Have you reached out for it to anybody recently? Maybe the Spirit is prompting you and you say no. You're too busy, or you're afraid. Maybe the Spirit has given you the, um, shown you a need in your life. Have you done anything about it? Are we quenching the Spirit that is in us? You know, when Jesus was, uh, when God was in the temple, people would come and offer sacrifice to them. Well, Eventually, God had left the temple, and they continued with sacrifices. And I often amazed it's to know after Christ, the the whole thing of the crucifixion and 
and everything that happened and the resurrection and everything that happened, people still went to the temple to worship God. You know, in all this, the rituals that we do, there are miss, we are missing the most important thing in life, and that is a relationship with God. And the people missed it. The people did not have a relationship with God back when they were offering sacrifices. And I wonder, do we really have a relationship with God coming to church every Sunday? If the Spirit would leave us, they would stop convicting us. If he would stop uh, speaking to us, would we even notice? You know, there's one of the jobs that the Spirit has is presenting or giving, using our gifts to reach out. And I think that the Spirit, in giving those gifts, is, could you say, wasting your time? Or he's wasting his time? Well, I know he's not, but are we too busy, too preoccupied with our own interests that we don't want to continue the work of Christ? And I'm just as guilty as, as you are. And I think the opportunities that we have is tremendous. We can't do it all. And, and God doesn't expect us to do, to do it all. We're going to do greater, but we're going to have help. We're going to have millions of people in this world who are sharing the gospel, whether it's through visiting with them or sharing with them in their homes or handing them a track or whatever it may be. But God is using that to complete the ministry of, of what Christ came here for. So how do I decide who is filled with the Spirit? How do I know that I have the Spirit within me? How do you know if I would have the Spirit within me? What would be some qualifications? qualifications that I have that you would say I'm filled with the Spirit if you looked at my life. A little off subject here, but, you know, we're going to choose a man that is, if, you, if we do it the way the New Testament did, we'd choose a man who's filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we going to decide? Are you doing the work of Christ? I would encourage you that you would.